Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. While, while they are passing these baskets, we're going to ask, I'm going to ask you to do something. Uh, you're going to have to do two things at once. It's called multitasking. Women can do this very well, I've learned. Men really struggle with it. You know, we are, we, we do have faults, huge faults, and that's one of them. But, but, if, but I'd like for you guys to please, all across the room, will you please stand? We're going to read together uh, a, a theme scripture for this year, Psalm 138. I want you to get this into your hearts and minds, and it's up on the screens. Come on. I want you to say it out loud. I will give thanks with all my heart. Now, you guys have to say this with me. I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your mercy and your truth. For you have made your word great according to all your name. On the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth will give thanks to you, Lord, when they have heard the words of your mouth. And they will sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord, for the Lord is exalted, yet he looks on off lowly, and he looks the haughty from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will reach out with your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your faithfulness, Lord, is everlasting. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Beautiful passage of scripture that I believe for all of us today. So God bless you. You can have a seat. God bless you, those of you who are just joining us online. We're going to dive into God's word right now. And, uh, and I have two places I want you to find in your Bible. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25. Proverbs 4, 25. We'll look at verses 25, 26, and 27 in a moment. And then also find Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. Mark those two places in your Bible. Well, several years ago, Rebecca and I, along with our sons, we were visiting this restaurant in Arlington. And, and as we were on our way out of the restaurant... Uh, my oldest child, who at that time was about four years old, he, uh, he, he somehow carefully avoided our gaze. And he, he, he did something. He picked up something from the ground that caught his attention that he was mesmerized with. I didn't see it, didn't recognize it. But when we arrived at the car, part of my job was getting him into his booster seat. So I was doing that and I was putting him in. And I noticed this, this, this bulge in his pocket. And, and so I was like, well, that's interesting. What, what's in there? And what I found in his pocket, he pulled out this nice, smooth, gray river rock. Something every little boy would want. It's a perfect toy for a boy. And, and, uh, and he had taken it from the restaurant, from right in front of the restaurant. He, he didn't want me to see it, so he was hiding it. He felt a little embarrassed about it. And so I, I said, well, where did you get this? He said, well, I, I, I got it in front of the restaurant. And 
He said, it was just laying there on the ground. <laughs> and, and I realized, okay, that, well, that's part of their landscaping they had at the restaurant. So at this point, I had to make a decision. Do I discipline my son for taking a rock? You know, the, of course, it wasn't his. Or do I simply just let it go because it's just a rock? Just, just let it go because nobody is going to notice it missing. There was, there's no way. But I made this tough call, and I unbuckled him. And I, I kindly said, we're going to have to go back into the restaurant to turn the rock back in. Now, he did not want to do this, and I really kind of felt awkward doing it, but I knew that this was the right thing to do. So we strolled back into the restaurant, and, and I had him deliver this beautiful stone. He thought it was beautiful, obviously, to the confused greeter. It's just a guy standing at the front going, okay, well, what's this about? And so he stated to the man, I said, well, tell him what happened. He just says, I took this. So he just said those three words, and the guy, the guy took it. And then after a little bit of brief conversation, uh, I, I asked the man, I said, I, I, I asked uh, my son, I said, Do you, would you like to have that rock? He said, yes. I said, then you can ask the man if you can have it. And so he asked him, of course, the greeter, he's like, well, of course you can have the rock. So he took the rock. He was free from all of his conviction and, and uh, of theft and everything like that. And, and, and so... I, I, when we got back to the car, I said, why did you take something that didn't belong to you? Because, you know, that's, that's stealing, and that doesn't please God. And, and, and uh, you, you, know, you know you shouldn't do that. And he said these two words, yeah, but they have a lot of other rocks out there, and they didn't need that one. And I, I said, well, I, I know you want to grow up to be a man of God, right? He said, yes, yes, I do. So taking something like that can hold you back, taking things. So, so we finally made it right, and you asked, and you received, and you got it. But, but as, as I was thinking about that, really there's a lesson in there for every single one of us because he had a lot of toys at home. He had plenty of stuff. And, and our yard mysteriously, where the house we lived in, our yard would mysteriously produce rocks on a regular basis. I don't know where they came from, but they would just be there constantly. And uh, he had all the rocks he needed. He had all of the toys he needed, but he needed that rock he thought he did. And it all revol revolved around those two words, yeah, but... And that's the title of my sermon today, taken from my own son's lips of four years old. Yeah, but, and I'm continuing with this series called The Time Is Now. Now, now listen, when God says now, the last thing we want to do is say, yeah, but. See, what happens is we tend to do things that get in the way or slow down or, or cause a detour from the promises of God, the provision of God, and the blessings of God. And, and even worse, sometimes we even inadvertently take the place of God without even realizing what we're doing. So I'm praying that today you will receive revelation on this and you'll be able to apply this to your life. In fact, let's pray right now. God, I pray for revelation that you will take what I'm about to share and you will customize these words for each and every individual in this room. Help us to hear what your spirit wants us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So 
the, to start off, I want to say this. The time is now, because that's the, that's the series, and so I have to put that in here somewhere. It is important, but the time is now to receive what God has already given you. Now, God has given you orders. God has given you direction. And he, he wants you to follow through with this so that you can experience victory, so that you can experience his plan, so that you can see the blessings that he has out there ahead of you, so that you can engage with the purposes of God in your life. Now, now when God's people were in Egypt, uh, they, they, they were struck down. They were afflicted. They were in slavery. They were in misery. They were beat down and they were being beat up. A horrible situation. Yet, yet at the same time, when everything was horrible, God had a plan for them, and it was called the promised land. And so even though they were in misery, God already had something prepared for them, but they simply had to get up and walk into it. And for us, really, it's the same way. Even though you may feel stuck, you might feel like you're in a situation where you can't get free. You might feel like you're a slave to the here and now. And I want to say, don't lose heart. God has a plan. Now, we know that the Israelites were set free from slavery and they made it through the wilderness. And last week you talked about how they got right to the edge of the promised land. But while they were at the edge of the promised land, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, uh, the, these words came and it says, Every place on which the sole of your foot steps, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. And that really, what that means is you, if you are going to be laser focused, then let's do it now. And it, that doesn't just mean walk around kind of casually. It means to walk with spiritual dominion, walk with force. It means to forcefully tread is, that, is actually what it, what it means literally. So what they were to do in the present would open up the doors for what God was going to be doing in the future. And God had set this up a long time ago for them. So in other words, there was something that God had prepared in advance for them while they were stuck in Egypt, and now they were at the very beginning where they could actually walk in and begin to receive it. They're about to receive the things God had planned for their lives. All again, they had to do is just walk into it and receive the goodness and the provision and the promises of God. Now, whenever you start reading the book of Joshua, I mean, you're going to see that it is, there's just victory after victory, blessing after blessing. As they obeyed God, God just kept doing wonderful things. They contained, they had these thankful, faith-filled hearts and just, the doors just kept opening. Uh, for example, in Joshua chapter 2, there's a story of Rahab and the spies and, and, and these spies go into the enemy territory and they, the spies, get saved by one of the people who are part of the enemy, Rahab. And so, you know, actually you know things are going well for you when the enemy is actually uh, watching your back and taking care of you. In Joshua chapter 3, they cross the Jordan and they, they, there's this miraculous demonstration of the presence of God as the Ark of the Covenant goes in and the water stops, stops flowing. They walk through on dry ground. Joshua chapter 4, they, they cre get these boulders out of the riverbed that was there and they create this huge stone monument on the other side of the Jordan and it's called, the, the monument was called the Stones of Remembrance and they go to look back at the goodness of God and they reflect on the, all the good things God has done. I mean, it's just looking good. Joshua chapter 5, they were circumcised, which represents they were under the covenant of God. 
under the authority of God, and they were to be distinct from the rest of the culture. In Joshua chapter 6, we all know the story of Jericho, how they went and marched around that, and they shouted and blew the trumpets, and the walls came tumbling down. I mean, they're receiving blessing after blessing after blessing. They're following God. They're receiving God's directives. They're obeying him, and they're advancing forward with their eyes fixed on the right direction. Their eyes are fixed on the Lord. They're walking in that spiritual authority, and it's like nothing can stop them, which takes me to today's scripture. Now, I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 4, verses 25 through 27, because this is what they were doing to walk in the blessing of God. And this is what I challenge you to do as well. Proverbs 4.25 says, let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left, nor turn your foot from evil. So, So this is exactly what they were doing. And nothing seemed to be able to stop them. But in Joshua chapter 7, everything changes because that chapter begins with a conjunction. It's the word but. None of us like hearing that word. But is this is actually called a contrast conjunction. So whenever you hear that word, you know that what's coming after it is very different than what was before it. For example, when Rebecca and I were first married, we had this, this little pledge to each other that, that all of our lives, all of our marriage, we will never say, I love you, but, because we don't want to hear what's behind that. Those two don't, don't go together. So our love for one another stands firm. There's never such thing as I love you, but. So, so that's, that's, how, that's how we apply this in our lives. But, but we find in the story of Joshua, that single word shows us that there is a detour from the victories, a detour from the blessings that God's people have been experiencing. So here we are, Joshua chapter number 7. Victory after victory, blessing after blessing had come their way. They were walking in it. God had provided for them, but they'd made some bad choices during the taking of Jericho. Look at Joshua chapter 7, verse 1 in your Bibles. It says, but the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully regarding things designated for destruction. For Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah from the tribe of Judah, took some of the designated things. Therefore, the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. Okay, now hold your place there because we're going to jump around a little bit there in Joshua You see, Achan, he knew God's orders. He was very well aware of the directive that came from God. Yet Achan had this attitude of, yeah, but. He did something that really messed things up. So so see, what happened is after Jericho, there was this other city that God had promised them. And it was a tiny city. It was small, nothing compared to Jericho. And it was just a little town called Ai. Or it could be called, I, I, we don't even know how it's pronounced. We really don't. It could just be, eh. We do not know. It's, it's just some vowels of, eh. I mean, how would, you, how would you like to say, hey, where do you live? Eh. 
Oh, I'm from Jericho. I mean, that sounds like a good tough city. But then where do you live? Eh, eh. I'm Tim from eh. Okay, well, that's what people would have said back then. I wouldn't have wanted to live in this little town. So they're looking at this little town thing, this is a piece of cake. We've got this. We already did Jericho. Now all we have to do is go over there and take eh. So they go into battle, but they are defeated. Israel is defeated heavily. Why? Well, we look back, it's because the anger of the Lord burned against them. But the bigger question is why? Why did the anger of the Lord burn? Well, it's because they took some things that didn't belong to them. Now, look back at Joshua 6.16. Because there we see that as God's people were about to take Jericho, take a look at what happened. God said to Joshua, the Lord has given you the city. In other words, the city is yours. The victory is yours. It's all the way there. Now look down at chapter 6, verse 19. But then God says, but... All the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord, and they should go into the treasury of the Lord. So in other words, anything that they find of this uh, silver, gold, bronze, or iron, anything they find in the city that's that way, which would very likely have been idols or the things like that, they were to be destroyed. In other words, melted down, and then that would have been given into the treasury of the Lord. So... What God was saying is, hey, I want you to understand, Israel, is that I have already given you victory, but don't take these items because these belong to me. Well, during the taking of Jericho, Achan, uh, fully aware of God's directive, he went into somebody's house and looked around and saw some articles like this, and he said, yeah, but... And so he reached in and he took what didn't belong to him, what belonged to God, believing that, hey, we're in the middle of all of this victory. We're in the middle of all this amazing provision God has given us. And God said, don't, but yeah. uh, Yeah, but I'm going to go ahead and have this for myself. And there's an important message in there for every single one of us today because embedded in every victory God has for you, there are things that belong to the Lord, that don't belong to you. So in one moment, what happened is Israel went from receiving the blessings of God, walking in the provision and favor of God, to taking things that don't belong to them. And as soon as it happened, there's this great contrast that happens there in in chapter 7, verse 1. In fact, another thing that that you need to know is this is not something that's unique to this story. This happens, it's, it's seen all through the Bible. In fact, it started in the Garden of Eden where God said, well, you are to eat from all of these trees. Everything is yours except that one. I've given you everything you need. You have food, you have my presence, you have my provision, you have each other, you have safety, you you have no lack. This is paradise. Yet they still took something that didn't belong to them. Essentially, Adam and Eve, they kind of like glanced around at all the goodness of God, but they looked at that one thing they couldn't have and they said, I will have what he says we can't have. And they'll just say, you know, God might have said all this, yeah, but we're going to go ahead and take this. And as soon as they took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, as they were walking in blessing and victory, everything shifted. And that's where the great contrast shows up right at the beginning of the Bible. And we know that as a result of that, then 
as a result of that, I mean, their marriage relationship suffered strife. She had pain in childbirth. He had to toil with the ground. They had children that began to kill each other. This great contrast showed up because they didn't allow God to provide for them. They took what wasn't theirs. They decided essentially, I'm going to be my own God and I'm going to take what I want. And that's even built into our nature. That's why a message like this can be a little tough to listen to. You know, Lucifer, his story is, is similar. He was one of the mighty archangels of God. In fact, some say that he was in charge of one-third of the angels of God in heaven. Lucifer was the shining one. He was the number one, numero uno angel. And God had already given him the victory. God gave him position. God gave him authority and beauty. But then we see in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, Lucifer declared, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend to the heights of the cloud. I will make myself like the most high, speaking of God. So really what he did is he glanced at all the good things that were around him and everything he had. He said, yeah, but I want the position of God. Luke chapter 10 verse 18, Jesus even said this. He says, I, I, I watched, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That's when this huge contrast shows up because Lucifer was not satisfied with the many blessings he already had. He wasn't satisfied with what God had already generously provided. Yeah, there's more. I mean, we could go on all day, but I, here's, here's another one. Uh, the story of David, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 4, tells us how he took another man's wife, the name was Bathsheba. See, God had already made him king. God had already anointed him. In fact, he was wealthy. He had massive power and authority. He was married. He had slain Goliath. Uh, I mean, he's the one who was given victory over the Philistines. He got away from crazy man Saul who was out to kill him. And chapter after chapter after chapter in 1 and 2 Samuel, you see, you see the hand of God is on David's life. But we get to 2 Samuel 11 and something happens. It's like David kind of glances at the blessings of God and he essentially says, yeah, but I want that woman. And he took what wasn't his. He took what God had not given him. He should have been satisfied with what God had already given him and not what wasn't his. So right after he took Bathsheba, that's when the contrast happened. He became a murderer. He lost his baby. In fact, his own son tried to, tried to take the throne from him later on, and another one of his sons killed his brother. Here's what I want you to do. Consider what you already have. Consider truly what a wonderful nation we live in. Consider your church building here in downtown. Consider, consider your church family that you have. Consider the hands that God has given you and the mind that God has given you to be able to do work. But you know, there are a lot of Christians today that are, they're, they're taking what isn't theirs. And they're simply saying, yeah, but. You see, I, you see, inside the victory of the lives of many believers, they're no longer taking the time to go to church and worship God, saying, well, 
I don't need that anymore because I've, I did my time at church and I found my spouse. And so that's what I, then we know why they were going in the first place, but I'm too busy. I've heard this one. I'm too busy and I need to stay at home and work on my marriage and my family relationships. It doesn't matter that God said, set a day aside for worship and for rest. So yeah, but I want that time for me. A lot of Christians are even looking at their finances and saying, well, it all belongs to me. I worked for it. They no longer acknowledge that God said a tenth is mine. The tithe is the Lord's. They say, yeah, but I'm going to take that part for myself. That's why, like Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 says, would anyone rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed (laughs) with a curse for you are robbing me, the entire nation of yours. So you can only rob God by taking something that doesn't belong to you, that belongs to him. So when we become takers, get this, when we're takers, we're no longer operating in the spirit of victory. Like with, with giving, uh, the, there's blessing on the 90%, but what we, what we say is like, well, I want the whole 100% because I want to just go ahead and be God. Even in marriage, marriage is a triad covenant between a man and a woman and God. But what what we want to do is say, well, I don't necessarily want that Bible definition of marriage. I want to have my own definition for the roles of men and women and for them what God established in the scriptures. And I want to do it my way. And and people exclude God then from their marriages and and they're removing him from the covenant. And we decide, well, I want my own definition of what it means to be a man. I want my own definition of what it means to be a husband. I want my own definition for what it means to be a woman. Or I want my own definition for what it means to be a wife. And if we would only receive what God's word says, we would be blessed by it. Yet so many Christians are still saying, yeah, but essentially setting themselves up to be God. Now, okay, let's even talk a little bit about social media because this, this is interesting. A lot of people are, are filled with depression and anxiety because they're struggling to maintain uh, this perception of, of their life being filled with glitz and glamour and serenity and pleasure and adventure and joy and beauty. And I'm not against social media, but there's this attempt to put everything out there that really isn't very real. It's this shallow attempt to exalt yourself and to gain what? Followers. Followers. So you can be an influencer. If I have more followers, then I'm an influencer and more people can be like you. I've had people stop me and I've had uh, you know, well-meaning people saying, you are an influencer on social media. You just need to put more pictures of yourself smiling and talk about your success and talk about all this and that. It's like, okay, that's fine and that's nice, but I, I, I don't really have the desire to do all of that because I don't necessarily want more people to follow me for that purpose. I mean, did you know that social media is, you know, the concept of it, it's in the Bible. I mean, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he said, be followers of me even as I am of Christ. And that's, that's basically this concept of social media right there. But Paul, what he's doing, he's asking people, okay, go ahead and be my followers. But Paul knew what to do with his followers. He says, yeah, 
Follow me. Yeah, you, you follow me. And know this, as you're following me, I'm following Christ. So what this means is, he's like, the followers aren't mine. You see, I, he's saying this, I've simply been given a platform. And so what I'm doing is I'm going to transition these followers to from followers of me to followers of Jesus. And you might have a platform of some sort, whether it's social media or not, but, but whatever it is, God's, Jesus says, go and make disciples. Disciples are followers. And they're not supposed to be your lookalikes. They're supposed to be God's lookalikes. So, so whether your platform is social media, maybe your platform is your occupation. Uh, maybe your platform is your hobbies or your, your uh, status in the community, your connect group, but you have followers. And God put those followers there. That's what's important. God put those followers there. They are not your own. So how are you using your own platform? Well, if you're a part of this church, it will somehow follow under, fall under our mission statement. Our mission statement for the church is real simple. We are here to develop Followers, yeah, followers of Jesus who impact and shape culture. So if you take that and you put that into part of the mission of your life, you'll understand that any platform that you have, you can use that to develop followers of Jesus. And, and, and that's what we want to do, followers of Jesus. And not just a person who follows Jesus, but a person who then uses their strength to shape and impact culture. So whatever God gives you, does not ultimately belong to you. Uh, we need to use whatever God gives or even whomever God gives us to develop followers of Jesus and then keep walking in the victory, walk in the blessing, keep walking in those things that God has provided and not giving in to any type of greed or selfishness because the challenge is we live in a greedy and selfish culture. We do, we do. Think about it. I mean, this is an unfortunate truth, but... Theft in our culture, in our society, it's growing rapidly. Uh, we see it all over the place. Thank God our city is not like many other cities, but I have seen a shift even right here downtown with our own neighbors right over here at, uh, at Walgreens of people running out of the store with stuff and then leaving the packaging right along the alley. And I have to stop so many times I've gone back to the person and say, hey, dude. And then they watch them drop their stuff real fast and run. I just take it back to the store. I mean, that's, that's just, that I've seen that more and more, but it's becoming part of the culture of, of our society. And it's all rooted into this attitude in our society of, well, I deserve it. I want it. I need it. And you know, even if it belongs to someone else, I'm going to take it. Now, I know most of you would say, I would never do that. And I get that. Yet, at the same time, that's the culture that we live in. And if we're not careful, that culture begins to slip into our lives and the culture changes us instead of us impacting and shaping the culture. And, and the way it tends to manifest in Christians is with the things of God. Because we all know what the Word of God says. And we start off by saying, yeah, I hear what the Word of God's, yeah, but. You know, our yeah, but... <laughs> actions, they actually threaten to sabotage the plans of God in our lives. Just like the story of Joshua. God was actively working to fulfill his will for his people, but they sabotaged God's plans just like we do. And too often we're, we're ungrateful. We tend to frequently disobey and act contrary to God's plans in very, very subtle ways. 
And if we're not careful, those things will grow. That's why right now I'm challenging us here at the beginning of the year to make a heart change because ultimately it comes down to little seeds of greed or selfishness that interfere with us receiving God's blessings. Now, a couple of weeks ago, and again last week, we talked about having your word for the year. I like that. You get one word from God for the year. And, and I believe for many of you, God downloaded that to you. But will you sabotage that word for the year through seeds of greed and selfishness? I mean, my, my word for the year is victory. And I have to make a stand and say, I'm not going to allow like any type of greed or selfishness to get in the way of me having victory because it won't happen if that stuff's there. Now, now, we've talked about some adverse situations that have happened to people through the scriptures today, but please know this, not every adverse situation that comes your way is the result of disobedience and greed and selfishness, but it sometimes is. And we need to change our hearts now. I challenge you to put yourself in the receiving position instead of the taking position and refuse to say, yeah, but... Because there are victories and there are blessings ahead and God has desires for you. God has plans for you. God has promises for you. And you need to be positioned to receive the things God has for you. Now I want us to look back at that scripture I started with, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25, because this is our strategy. This is the same strategy, essentially, that was given to Joshua. And this should be something you can even put to memory and take a picture of it. You know, maybe get the background on your computer, get it into your heart. Here it is, Proverbs 4, 25, 26, and 27. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Get this. God loves you, and he has great plans for you. And you might not feel it right now, but his promises, his provision, his power and victories, they are yet ahead. So in the meantime... Let's be grateful for where we are now and what we have now. Let's be grateful for the life and the love. Be grateful for the power of God that resides in us. And that gratitude will prevent the temptations for you to be a taker. So the time is now to get laser focused with gratitude and none of those yabots. None of those yabots. We're not going to do that. So let's pray. Let's pray. Will you just pray with me right now? God, I come together with my church family. I ask you, God, to forgive us. God, just, just forgive us for stepping off the path for any kind of greed or selfishness, for taking what's not ours, for assuming your role as God. God, I pray that we will be wise stewards of everything you have already given us. And Lord, we thank you in advance for your continued favor on our lives. 
for the victories that lie ahead, for the promises that are yet unfulfilled. God, we thank you in advance for the blessings that are in store for us. God, we thank you in advance for the provision that's right around the corner. We thank you in advance for the healing that you're sending our way. And we thank you, God, for the protection of your holy angels. For greater things are yet to come, as we sang earlier. And we thank you for that. God, let us be filled with gratitude as we move forward. For Lord, it is a joy being your child. Let your blessing rest on us as we continue to move forward in your strength and in your favor. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you guys Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Church podcast. I would love for you to attend one of our worship services right here in downtown Fort Worth. So if you'd like more information, simply go to citylifefw.org. God bless.